0: Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Great guest today. We have Ryan Menezes. I think that's how you say his last name. am not sure. Sorry. Uh, Ryan is one of these people who is super cool for a lot of reasons. Uh, first off, he writes, edits, and is an interviewer from uh, basically my favorite website, Cracked. It's something, especially when I'm editing the podcast, I read Cracked all the time. I've been reading that site for years. And, um... Uh, so it was such a treat to actually get to talk to someone who's a part of that website that I just love so much. Uh, this is one of those episodes that we, Ryan and I recorded, and then my big computer crash of 2017, I'll refer to it as, uh, happened. And Ryan was nice enough to come back and do the show. And uh, at the very end, when we signed off, he's like, and if, it, and if if something happened again, we can do this a third time if need be. So I just I really appreciate it. Ryan's a great guy. Really great conversation. We talk about a lot of his articles and TV and cool stuff. Uh, you could find his, uh, him, I found him on Twitter at MenziesCracked, M-E-N-E-Z-E-S-C-R-A-C-K-E-D. And uh, his website is just cracked.com slash members slash Menzies, M-E-N-E-Z-E-S. Uh, super rad dude. So if you're like a writer and wondering like, how do I get a job writing? We'll get into that. This is definitely an episode for you. It's, and if you're someone who reads Cracked, it's totally for you, uh my good buddy Dwight Hurst was actually supposed to join as a guest host both times and just was never able to make the timing and work out so Dwight, if you're listening, shout out and uh thank you for Dwight for hopping out last week for recording my intro for our episode uh for Wade Roush and a quick announcement uh it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. Uh, my daughter came prematurely, and I am now recording this as a father. I like, uh, please welcome to the world Felicity Joy Pasinich Revel. Uh, mom and her are doing great. She, right, I'm recording this. She's like 10 days old, and it's awesome. And uh, at some point, we're gonna do a whole podcast about our, our our birth story. It was a long. There's some complications, and it all worked out. And now we have a beautiful baby and a healthy wife. So we're just just so excited! As always, find us on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And um, at some point, I'm going to want to do like a combination episode. I'm now really interested in everybody's birth stories. It's really something I want to hear about. And so I think I've about four episodes recorded right now. And by the end of April, I'm going to decide if we're taking a little Let's Chat hiatus or not. I got some time. We'll figure it out. Anyway, let's get to. it. Never we take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I'm tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born filler, the opposite of the winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Easter broad G, Brucey B, kid debris. Fuck, masterplex, love, punk star ski. I am a big reader of a website called cracked.com. I have been for years. And. Just like recently, one day, I was kept reading all these similar art- all these articles back, and then all of a sudden, I just kept seeing the same, uh, the logo, the RM, and then I just kept noticing your name, and then I started following you on Twitter one day, and then I was like, I got, this guy is awesome. Um, I'm going to ask him on my show, and he said yes, and uh, here we are. But
1: <laughs> Thank you. You've got uh, great tips and articles, then. <laughs> yes. Because I've got a few of the very best, and... <laughs> You uh, saved uh, seventy-five lives. Seventy-five lives, maximum. So, possibly zero that's... lives, but possibly as many as seventy-five is what I say.
0: What a what a great! I mean, I think that's funny, but that's sad because right now there's some current high-level po- politicians who actually treat things of that nature. Like, well, you can't disprove my numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. But at least you're not making policy.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we probably have an article somewhere on statistical tricks you should be aware of. And up to for readers who or listeners who aren't aware of that is a phrase which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> up to. And
0: now I'm going to take a guess here from one of the articles I've read. You've written. Uh, were you ever a show a pen and teller's bullshit?
1: Oh well that's uh I, I think a huge a huge part of our site is is debunking things and if you stick uh bullshit and try to search the site for that your your page will just break because that's every article we've done
0: cuz they did a great episode some years back about statistics about how they could be manipulated and um and the wire had a whole storyline about that too which I thought it was fascinating, but that that is true about statistics and how there are ways you can kind of manipulate them. I don't know how to do it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. What I was referring to just now was words which sound like statistics but aren't really statistics.
0: Yeah, because you didn't say a lie with saving up to 70 lives because that could be true. You never know. Maybe someone was going to end their life, and they read an article about uh, – uh, six famous movie characters who really hated their day job or some shit like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I, I guess was... if you want to get a little more serious, I could dig through articles and find people who said something like that. Let's see. Um... Well, I, I well, I, I did, My first question uh, for
0: you is because you're a editor, a writer, but you also like do. Now, so I'm going to read off the first one that comes on your page. If anyone looks at it, it says, I accidentally took PCP and went crazy. Six insane lessons. Uh, But it says by anonymous and then you. So what is the process of something like that where someone wants to share their story with Cracked, but they don't want to put their name out there on the Internet about taking PCP and their insanity? Because I'm assuming (laughs) you didn't take PCP and go crazy six times.
1: Uh, you're, You're free to assume that, and you're right in this case. So somebody contacts correct, the and they give the very briefest summary of what their experience is. Well, there are a few different ways of doing this, but one is them giving the briefest summary of what their experience is. And we say, we're interested. saying, we want to talk to you some more. And then we might meet them. We might talk to them on the phone. We might email them. And once we've hashed out their entire story, the interviewer, which might be me puts together an outline, takes us to a meeting, tries to convince everyone else that this would be a great article. And then either we can give them an outline to write up, or I can write it and then send it to them to rewrite or approve. And between the two of us we get an article out. So it's Oh,
0: interesting. So that's a so that's a process so it's a mixture of you and said person are writing together?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's why my byline appears on articles which aren't about my exact experience, but it's things that I I wrote and that I interviewed them to put together.
0: Is it hard hearing some of the stories? Because some of these interviews are. Um, I know we talked about this probably in way too much length last time, but you you wrote one about uh, one of a kid who was. Uh, was he accused? or of, a, of like sexual assault on a college, but it was just his experience of what happens after you're accused. But like, So that's got to be like, has some an emotional toll, I would imagine.
1: Yes, that's, that's right. And if I want to dig in further, I can get ones that were even more difficult than that.
0: Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's hear them. What's like the most difficult one?
1: The most difficult one, uh, well, one time this interview took about eight hours, and it hasn't produced an article so far, and we can talk about why that was. Uh, So, the one you just referred to was someone who committed a campus sexual assault, is what what it's called, but uh, that was... Uh, for readers, who p- people who haven't read the article, it was a, a groping incident, and it was unintentional. But the person I talked to next was a uh, straight-up child rapist. Okay. Yeah, and I uh, spent many hours with him to dig out his entire story. It wasn't very easy to listen to. And uh, the other challenge, talking with, with various, various interview subjects, and particularly this one, is that, well, people are not always entirely reliable in describing what happened to them. So, uh, if, if you want to talk about um, famous child molesters who you have read about, perhaps you haven't read about any, but so instead perhaps you will think of Lolita. And uh, if you studied that in English class, that might be the first time you ever learned about something called an unreliable narrator. And as an interviewer, you run into real-life unreliable narrators in various forms. So when speaking with this person for, for many hours, um, at some point he would talk about things that we could verify, things that were very uh, believable. And then when speaking about the specifics of his crime, he detailed to me about how, you know, this five-year-old boy seduced him, about how this five-year-old boy was very smart, and how he had the upper hand in this relationship. And at, at some point, I realized, you know, I cannot believe every single thing this person says.
0: Is there a term for what he, the? that person was doing to you i'm i work in the for i work in the behavioral health field uh i generally tend to work with uh survivors or victims but there is a term for like it's almost i'm sure that person you were speaking with that behavior almost sounds as if they were trying to defend themselves or even almost sociopathic where they were almost trying to come off as endearing or um actually just plain old victim blaming
1: yeah uh i think you know if if you want to use the phrase, the term sociopathic, there's probably few people that would apply more to than a child molester. In this case, uh, well, it would probably take even more time to realize whether the person was purposely trying to deceive me or whether they generally believed it. But we, we reached, um, I, I think unreliable narrator is the the simplest and broadest way to describe it, and that he said something that we cannot directly believe. Uh, maybe mm. we can move on to more lighter examples to give other things that people say that we don't believe. Um, well, have you ever seen
0: that Barry Crimmins documentary?
1: The uh, no, Call Me Lucky. I haven't. Tell me
0: about it. It's he. Well, he he's a survivor. Uh, first off. Beautiful documentary uh, He was a comedian in the 80s uh, I think he's kind of like Louis C.K.'s mentor Who Louis recently just produced his uh, special uh, Fascinating man And he is a survivor of child rape and, he was, and, and the whole documentary is about his comedy career And then it's directed by Bob Culp Bob Goldwaith, and then it's also his story of being a political activist, and he is the gentleman who testifies in front of Congress against AOL, because when AOL came out to be, it was using largely source for child pornography and they weren't doing anything about it. And at the end of the movie, he goes back to the basement where it happened, and there's this beautiful, beautiful scene where he's like, kind of like, he's in tears, and um, he has this line that I use in my line of work all the time, and he's like, if I can fucking live through it, you can listen to it. And I think that is one of the most powerful things. Uh, not that I want to stay on this awful topic by any means, but you know sometimes the people with the best intentions don't want to hear about bad things, but when you turn away from them and you're not aware of them, that's when people are too able to succeed and do horrible, horrible things so and I, I give you guys credit for writing an article or having to listen to what he did and then making the choice what to write and what not to write and like I'm being lied to. and But it's hard. It does take an emotional toll hearing that shit.
1: Yeah. And uh, as I said, this one didn't end up as an article, not only because, you know, we couldn't believe every single thing he said, but when the time finally came down to, you know, I, I put the, the outline together, here's some stuff happened to him. Here's some stuff about, the sexual offender registry, here's the stuff about the system, you know, we realized, wow, if we would like to do an article on the problems of the system, and we cannot use a guy who has, is so hateable, who receives absolutely zero sympathy from readers. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's always a challenge, because when you have an article about someone about an interview subject. Our interview subjects aren't always supposed to be the heroes. So you wanna educate readers about it always turning into a competition of how much do you like this person. But at the same time, if we think readers can't like the person at all, they'll be completely turned off and they will not learn anything.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's that, that's very true. And uh well here here's one that I think is easier for people to talk about I, I, five horrifying things that happen when you go missing. Uh, so that was a, a, a kind of a fascinating one. I, I, I was reading about that, that you wanted, one of the ones you had written. Um, so is that something that happened to you or a friend, or is that another interview scenario?
1: Yeah, this was this was another interview scenario. And if we're talking about unreliable people, this is also relevant to that, because this was a person who had a, uh, a psychotic break they don't remember much of what they were talking about so we had to reconstruct several days in which they were missing and much of the stuff we mentioned in the article was stuff we could confirm based on her interactions with police and other authority figures and uh, some people wrote to us saying uh, we, we don't believe this this is impossible and one person in particular contacted me and uh, I I tried to respond politely and say, well, we, we verified it through this, this, and this, and the person eventually became you convinced, and they said, well, I've, I've, I've learned something about the missing persons process. That, yeah, uh, I guess uh, listeners who aren't aware of the article we're talking about might feel a little lost right now, but it, it's, uh, yes. it's an article about someone who, who went missing for a few days, and it was because they, they just had a, a break from reality. They suffered from a few different mental illnesses. And so we cover a bit about how the actual missing, missing persons process goes. Uh, if you're reported missing, that doesn't mean there's every single police officer in the country is going to have their eye out for you. No, oh, it's You're not gonna... a job in a
0: ramsey scenario where you become the talk of the town it's kind oh, right. of right
1: it's kind of sad
0: i i've in I, a previous job i had worked with the people mental illness i had worked with a client who was a frequent hospital hopper we would call them and because of hipaa laws it can be hard and if that person either doesn't want the agency to talk to you or can't remember you and you're the my job was trying to find this person they could be anywhere in the state i was working in massachusetts at the time uh it's hard so it's a, it's, <laughs> it's hard like i i filled out so many i was a part of a team that filled out many missing persons reports and god the, the reactions from cops you know the first time you have to fill one out you think it's going to be like drop everything the world is ending but it's the same way i was would be like hey officer here's a free donut mhm move along <laughs>
1: Now, on the other hand, I also interviewed a an actual fugitive from the law last
0: year. Oh, that's a great article! I love that one. Uh-huh. I absolutely love that one. That was that that was a person who was between going to jail and said, kind of like, "fuck it," and it was sad as shit.
1: Yeah, that that I one. I felt bad for right. that. I felt like bad.
0: I felt like jail might have been a better decision
1: for them. Yeah, that that really is the conclusion to his story. This is someone who uh, was accused of, of stealing some some money from their office, and uh, even though it's a first person article, we word it so it's unclear whether he did it or not. He he maintains that he did, didn't. Maybe he did, but after that, he he fled, and he went. But he went on the run. He robbed a bank, the after having hit the the original crime. Then he fled to Mexico. Then he sneaked back into the country. And, uh, and today he's, he's more or less. He, he was married originally. And his, his wife is, isn't interested in getting back together with him. He's thinking of you know just leaving the country again because there's nothing for him to stick around for. And this, mean... was, this was yet another article where, where readers were suspicious. They were skeptical. They thought we made stuff up. And, uh, in fact, we changed a few identifying details, and Mm. some very savvy readers picked up on that. They said, well, wait a minute. If if you were accused of stealing this much money in this much state, you couldn't have possibly faced that much jail time. And that was good that readers picked up on that, but we did have a note that we changed the identifying details. The rest of the story was accurate.
0: Are your readers that intense? I I can imagine there's some people who are not like me where I'm just like, "Oh, that's
1: great. I believe it." Yeah, no, no, readers are intense, which is which is great. I mean, even if they if they sometimes disbelieve true stuff which which we publish, better that than believe everything including, you know, all the other fake stuff which is out there in the world. Uh yeah, I think if you want to summarize everything we do on this site, it it's here's what you thought and be skeptical and think of what the truth is so if've if we 've if we've made monsters out of readers that they're super skeptical that's that's a success So what
0: is your process to come to be like an editor, writer, interviewer at correct because i 'd imagine there's some people listening being like, "How the hell do I get that job? Not your job, but a job like that
1: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, if it's at, at at correct you you just jump in at the trenches and and work your way up. We have I guess what might be the most open process for writing anywhere. It's just it, it's a forum. You jump in there with no experience, and you read the rules, and you say, "Here's the article I want to write." Then you you wait a few hours for another person on the forum to respond and give you feedback on that. And uh, that's how I joined the site three or so years ago. Really, you you that's it. I mean, that, that's it. That's how you started. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> What were you doing before
0: that, like uh, what was your major in school and stuff?
1: I uh, was aiming to do some writing stuff in school, majored in journalism, and Mm -hmm. got out and did a job of some kind, a regular office job, and uh, then just started writing random stuff on the internet for a while, and uh, nothing that I'm really proud of or would like to remember in any way, and then finally finally started writing for Cracked. Any TV recaps? is
0: Because there's a comedy show called Difficult People. I don't know if you ever watch it. But they always just uh, dig on this one of the people like her. Her job is a TV recapper, and she's like, be, uh, not making it comedian. And they just dig on TV recaps. Yeah. So. <laughs> I caught
1: that the first couple episodes of that series, so I'm going to work my way through the rest. So uh, funny.
0: One of my y- favorites.
1: Yeah, well, if, if – uh, unpaid work on fan wikis uh, counts as TV recapping. Then yeah, I've done a little bit of that. <laughs> Do you get credited for that, or is that just a way to like, sharpen the skills? That's oh, that's probably a way to dull your skills because <laughs> you're you're writing for for crazy people like yourself instead of something that anyone wants to read. <laughs>
0: Well, so, like, um, so if I don't know, what's the, so I'll just pick a TV, like The Office. There's a Dunder Mifflin Wikipedia page. Does NBC pay someone to write that, or is that just hardcore fans? Oh, like, actually, not. getting paid? No. Uh,
1: oh, I did. No? I, no, hardcore fans, yeah. Uh, I I, <laughs> that. Unless there's a specific NBC site that I'm unaware of, a wiki is aware. Random people who are very interested in the subject volunteer vast amounts of time, which are impossible to justify using any rational argument, to cover minutiae which is of interest to no one except for those fans. But, uh, and you can, if if you participate in these wikis, you can look back years later on arguments you had over the strangest and trivial matters, and it's it's it's
0: fascinating. Um, well, that- it's funny you say that because your very website made a uh, list of like 10 arguments that are unwinnable, <laughs> uh, and, and one of them was like, when the Simpsons jumped the shark. It was like 10 useless arguments that everyone has or something like that. I don't remember who wrote it, but – and one of them is like, when did the Simpsons jump the shark?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and even more recently, we we're putting together something called the dumbest long-running arguments in history. Yes. yeah and i i dug up an argument from from one of these wikis i used to write on and uh, we didn't end up sticking that in the final article but it was something that we could all have a good laugh at You
0: <laughs> i have had hour-long conversations with my brother about the simpsons jumping the shark when i was younger and uh i think the the fifth I don't know. Some some hardcore Simpsons fans say it's when Homer goes to space because it breaks the rules of oh. uh, reality. But then the other fans would say when, Ar- when Principal Skinner was Armin Tanzerier's when he was like the the other principal came in, and mm-hmm. then there's another thirty seasons after that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty much if if you're able to to even mention an episode as a merely casual fan, that's probably at least fifteen <laughs> seasons ago. I, I know,
0: it's it's funny and I used to get in arguments with my brother about the space one when I was much younger and how it didn't break it didn't jump the shark. And I was like, No, nope, it makes sense. I was yeah, like they're that, yellow. That... Of course they can go space. It makes total sense. Though I, I think I there must so have been much. about a
1: dozen episodes after the space one where they, they referenced the space one as the as a very strange thing that happened. Even though stranger things have happened since then, they they just have Homer all, all, you know, out of randomly saying, and then I went to space. And someone then say, what? And then, then they move Break on. <laughs> yeah.
0: I read this great article today on Split Cider about how Bob's Burgers is like the spiritual kin to uh, King of the Hill. And um, how Bob's Burgers has that realism to it. Uh, and it's one of the few shows, I think, on TV that actually uh, deals with a family with economic hardship and stays poor the entire Wherever they are, like seven seasons, I think they're on now.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I, yeah. I get really into that stuff. Yeah, there's a uh, something we wrote on cracked about how interesting it is that on TV, that not just that you know people are richer than we are, but that even poor people on TV are richer than ordinary people are in real life, which gives us all a skewed perspective of of what it means to have money. And what we're all expected to do and expected oh, to have. It, oh, absolutely! I remember, like, when uh, they did that—the
0: the math of how much the Friends apartment would be worth, New <laughs> York City in that year. And you know, Rachel's a waitress, and yeah, Monica's un- a, a chef at some point, and they're unemployed. Joey's a working, a barely working actor, and like, <laughs> New York is so expensive. Mm-hmm. It's that's. I like the show Girls because at least they're honest of like. Our parents pay for everything.
1: Yeah. That, that, yeah sometimes you. people try. But I think even in Friends, they said one, one of the apartments was rent controlled. But that doesn't explain the other one. Yep. Or no. Yeah. Phoebe that's, living wherever Phoebe lives <laughs> with her zero dollars.
0: Oh, yeah. She was like borderline homeless, owned a van at one point. Yeah. And... Borderline
1: homeless or, or living in, in Manhattan, whichever. was that, apparently right next to each other. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's it,
0: it, it does it does kind of put you in a, a skew. Uh, one of my favorite shows growing up is Roseanne because I w- it was like so relatable. Well, I didn't grow up in the Midwest and we didn't grow up like poor, but it was just more relatable. Like I knew more, I knew more people who lived like Roseanne than I did like um, the Fresh Prince show. Like I didn't know anyone who lived like that.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of something we talked about the the last time we met, and that. Besides all shows being people having some amount of money, almost all shows are people in New York or L.A. or possibly oh, Chicago, yes. leaving huge amounts of the country feeling very lost when it comes to media.
0: Oh, that was... You know, I, I actually i brought that point up I was talk, after we talked. I remember telling my wife about the point you were making uh, between your the Cracked article about... um, It was like six things that make you live being... More liberal living in a city, and then the other one that you mentioned was an article about like how cities are portrayed compared to growing up being a world place. Like the Hunger Games, it's like the city is the evil one, and I, I God, it really it changed my perspective on things. I think I'm evil because I live in a city. Is that true?
1: Yeah, that's 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 I knew true. It. I mean, it has me hunting through every time I see a TV show that's that's anywhere besides. You know, New York. Oh, the middle. I should be a little more interested in this show now. And, and, you know, suddenly, I mean, if I didn't have enough reasons to hate Modern Family already, I now need to say, oh, I I, I guess, you know, it, it, there is maybe a real America that I should be paying more attention to. It's not Modern
0: Family. You know, I used to really like Modern Family, at least at the
1: very core. Yeah, of I think I, the first uh, couple of seasons were pretty revolutionary.
0: And then yeah. they got
1: complacent.
0: Oh, someone is just like, you could just tell all the writers are like, let's be out by five. Yep. (laughs) I got a Ferrari. I mean, it just got to the point where the problems are so, so exorbitantly just like upper class problems. And it even got even less edgy, right? Like, I think they'd even got somehow less diverse. At some point, it's only the two gay characters and then like... Gloria and Manny and then everyone else is white. You <laughs> know, it used yeah, so, to be a lot
1: more diverse. <laughs> some some years later I, I saw a clip from the early seasons of Modern Family and it was Dylan singing his song Haley, I wanna do you and I was thinking, Wow, this is this is cutting edge stuff. This is not something that they do in Modern Family nowadays. Has there <sighs> has there ever been a show that got a lot of Emmys and went on being good? Or or is that just a rule that once you get I mean, an Emmy several years running, then you have to start being the terrible I Yeah, winner. you wonder.
0: I and mean, because uh, they hired, uh, there's a, a TV writer named Megan Gans, and she had worked on Community, and she went to Modern Family. And she wrote, one of their best episodes was that one where they all talked through Skype and text and phone through the whole day. It was a later oh, season. Oh, I like,
1: remember that. Yeah that, oh, yeah, that was a pretty clever one. That was brilliant yeah, and it was like had this community
0: element. And then I stopped seeing her name show up on things and then they just kinda got I actually quit watching it because it just became uh rich people with problems. You know what show does rich people with problems uh better than anyone, believe it or not? Riverdale.
1: Oh, Riverdale. I have not watched that yet. I, I've so just it's... heard that it's it's the show where Archie sleeps with Mrs. Grundy and that, that seems Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it is it's so over-the-top, wink at the camera
0: without winking at the camera, and they're almost like you're in on it. And it, it's just a soap opera. You might hate it, but there's 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 some there's a lot of value to it because it's so cheesy and they're aware of it. Um, it's definitely, if you like soap operas, it's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the CW is pretty uh, good. At a, they're a team soap machine, aren't they, putting out... Uh... What oh, every twelve year I years watch. running, <laughs> I watch Cheers. a lot of CW too. Though
0: <laughs> I've watched Flash, I watch Arrow, I watch Legends. I like whose line is it anyway? And then uh, the show I, 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 I actually I've seen bits of Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which I thought had a bad name, but is a really good show.
1: I feel guilty for not people. watching that show because Rachel Bloom, she she used to be a crack person. She did no videos way. for us. Yeah, then then she went on and got her own show. And so why haven't I watched it? I'm terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it has a terrible name. It's it sounds like misogynistic and sexist.
1: But yes, it is. that must be it.
0: That's why. Yeah, my wife watches it, and I've I've, I've sat in through a few episodes. It's very funny. Great joke telling, and um, it's a. I'm not a. I, I enjoy musicals, but I, I don't know tons about them, but it, there's a musical element, and musical comedy, when done well, Weird Al, it's the best. Not Eddie Murphy, just Weird Al. <laughs> uh,
1: bad names are... Have you ever seen iZombie? Oh, I must have been thrown off because of the name. Is it good? Same, same, I feel like
0: I've recorded about three episodes in the last three days, and I've brought it up in every single one, because season three is about to start. It is by the creators of Veronica Mars, which and it is one of the smartest TV shows I've ever seen. It's, it's so good with the stupidest name. So it's like my right now. It's my passion. to Make everyone watch it, or to encourage everyone to check it out because it's so good. I, I I can't even express it. Like it's really like, it's more of a cop detective show than it is about zombies. And I actually hate zombies. I don't do anything zombie except Shaun of the Dead. So I do so I, I zombie Shaun of the Dead, and that's it.
1: It's a cop-detective show, huh?
0: Yeah, so but it's, it's, it's good. And when funny. The
1: Walking Dead was being pitched, uh, one of the networks, I think it was NBC, they, they rejected the, the serialized idea. They said, can we make it a detective procedural about zombies? And That's... that sounds like a, what networks get incredibly wrong. But you tell me that they, they successfully turned that premise into a show, so good for them
0: and it's based off a comic book as well so maybe there was some good source material to take from
1: mhm
0: but yeah i've read some fun, there's some like that famous story like networks like they always want um, i think it's gary shanling has this very funny story when he was pitching it's the gary G- Shanlin show that they wanted him to have a talking dog and that's why he would talk to the audience and that's always like uh, a with studio people, <laughs> creators at the studio. was like, can we add a talking dog?
1: <laughs> yeah. You ever watch uh, the show Episodes? No, I don't have Showtime, but I've heard it's very good. Yeah, that, that was supposed to be – yeah, mostly spoofing the network biz. And sure enough, the show that they're up against is the show with the talking dog. <laughs> and that's uh... – <laughs> Yeah, Matt,
0: Matt LeBanc, that was his uh, kind of quiet career after Friends. Showtime is notorious for having terrible programs.
1: Oh, I or, think, th- yeah, the t- uh, Showtime's the to- are notorious for every program they've done is, is terrible after, what, three seasons, four seasons? Yeah, but like so many of them start really well. Dexter, Dexter's first season was Oh, I think quality, after
0: the John go season was beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean... Really,
0: really, some great great, even weeds was amazing
1: weeds, the biggest contrast of any show ever the quality of the first season and the last season uh, uh, I, the jump from um the jump from pot
0: uh, from uh, hot mom pot dealer to human trafficking, I thought came along too quick oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and
1: um, and Albert Brooks shows up for some reason <laughs> I think they've done other things that failed what. Was uh, Homeland? Uh, I don't know if it completely failed, but it was enough for me to finally stop watching after I think five seasons or something. Oh wow, you got that far! No, I dude, <laughs> yeah, I soldiered on pretty hard.
0: I was like, this is really Islamophobic. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, this is offensive to my uh, Muslim brothers and sisters. I can't do yeah. this anymore. <laughs> this is terrible. Like, it was just so blatantly like like the people who made
1: Twenty Four like were like, let's get more right wing. Yeah, a lot of the time uh, when, when people accuse shows of influencing people, I, I like to try and resist. I like to say, let's give people creative freedom. But 24, as, as good as it was at sometimes times, uh, they actually had, um, like I think it was the Dean of West Point or something, interviewed classes and they asked, what do you think about, about torture? And these are cadets who are about to go out. They they totally believe torture worked thanks to the episodes of 24 they had watched.
0: And... Media, media has its effects. Like it, yeah. it totally does. And, and and I think that's, I think when when people are arguing in favor of representation of themselves on the screen, there's a reason for it. And uh, <laughs> torture clearly works because
1: it worked on Twenty Four, which you know I never actually saw Twenty Four. Oh well, I mean you've got hundreds of episodes to wade through if you want, but you'd probably be smarter off do the the hugely impactful first season and uh i think it was the the fourth season which which surprisingly won the emmy for best drama and was actually a a good season and i'm not going to give away what happens in the last episode but it's good (laughs) well it's coming back again Oh, yeah, yeah, it did, it, it did, it came back again twice, and I did watch the first time it came back, which was the, the Jack Bauer conclusion, then it came back again without him, and apparently critics thought it was useless.
0: What are your thoughts on that as a, a fan of, a, of television and media and someone who writes objective, or like these types of articles, do you, I, I, have you ever seen a show that has come back and has, everyone's. I can't think of anything that's come back and people have really been happy about. Even like Arrested Development.
1: Oh well, uh, yeah. Let's think: has any show really successfully come back after a long time? Well, waiting to see what happens with Twin Peaks. That's got to be the longest break ever, right? That's gonna that's gonna be the one, right? Like I think.
0: Oh, that's the thing about Riverdale. It's it's Twin Peaks, by the way. It's it's a soap opera version of Twin Peaks. So maybe that's what I was meant to say earlier. But yeah, I think Twin Peaks will be interesting. I think there was an interview about doing more Roseanne, and they were just like, no, it's been too long, and Dan is dead. It's just, oh. don't.
1: Did you watch All of Twin Peaks, the original?
0: No, I just got uh, kind of nerd-shamed yesterday by someone for never seeing it.
1: So, I think it was only like uh, 18 or maybe 24 episodes over two different seasons. And they, they actually didn't even have enough stuff to sustain those episodes originally. So th- 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 there was a mystery, right? So the, the, the who killed Laura Palmer. And then they had the first season, which was which was great. Then they had the second season, and halfway through the season, they they solved the mystery, and they had like five different comic relief side plots which they just continued for the rest of the season, and it was very strange. So even those shows that are canceled too early can quickly run out of steam.
0: I, I'm curious to see what they do because I know they, did, they. I know the Gilmore Girls just came back. I never watched it, but people weren't really
1: happy with it. Ah, uh, well, I I, I I have watched uh, some of that series, not not enough to check out the most recent one and see how it's done. Uh, you mentioned the rest of the development. Uh, well, with the rest of the development, there's a. I mean, you had a pretty distinct problem. The problem was that. You know, no two actors were filmed together for basically the entire season. Other than that, they had some uh, some very complicated and sharp writing. Basically, everything that most people hated about Arrested Development, the first three seasons that it was too hard to follow, <laughs> was uh, emphasized in the in the in the revival.
0: I actually like season four. It's not the one I go back to as much
1: season four was uh brilliant it was something which has never been attempted before having all of those episodes occur during the same time frame and having each episode being devoted to one character i thought that was an example of something netflix can do that ordinary networks can't do and then netflix went on to have like normal shows yeah (laughs) and uh yeah netflix is uh
0: I, I think I was... I forgot who I said this to but I made this joke recently that Netflix is just the future Viacom. Like, I love it right now, but eventually they're going to be the company that runs and owns everything that we curse.
1: But right now, Yeah, it's, it, joy- it's, <laughs> it's terrifying. They put out an announcement recently. I forget the numbers, but they're going to be doing a huge, huge number of series. And the reason for that is distributors have major problems trying to screen their stuff around the world you have people who own the rights to screen a show in the US and five different countries and they find one country which has different rules and they spend the rest of the decades of their existence just staring at papers trying to figure out rights so netflix just says let's let's own everything we make let's make everything let's make everything they're probably going to eventually transition Completely out of sharing the libraries of pre-made films with us, so we
0: we're have like to find HBO a new solution. Kind of model? A, a what model? HBO. Where like they, they most of their stuff now is original content, mm-hmm. and then a few movies you can you can cycle through.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think they said we're going to try and do half new programming. Wow. Immediately. And the interesting
0: yeah. interesting about Netflix is they don't release their data. So, which you know, you and me doesn't matter. But if you're a content creator uh, or an actor, you can't negotiate a salary uh, if you don't know the numbers. So yeah, like that, Kevin that Spacey is hard. could be yeah, should or someone who's working on a House of Cards could either could be getting a much larger pay increase based on the numbers, but they don't release that information.
1: I think uh, Amazon has the same policy, right? And. Yeah. uh they had that show, Good Girls Revolt, mm-hmm. which uh, some random independent analysts claim might have been their most popular show ever, but they canceled it, and no one can really question why, because no one has the exact numbers on it. And supposedly it was all men in the room? Yes, that's that's what I they say. The they man? say, well, the men on top just didn't like it, so that's, you know. Yeah, I got to
0: I got to talk to one of the uh, an actor who was on an episode of that uh, show, and I had a moment where I was just upset. I actually I, I fell in love with that show. I thought it was Mad Men, but good. Uh, it was oh, weird. you didn't like Mad Men? <laughs> no, I watched the first season, and I I understood its beauty and brilliance, but I just got so bored of, of, of Mad Men. I just became bored by it, and I appreciate its existence in the universe and its cultural significance. I just, I didn't continue to watch it.
1: It uh, yeah, took a couple of seasons for me to grow on it. And I have watched some of Good Girls Revolt. Uh, even though I, I, maybe everything's been released, I usually wait a few weeks before, between episodes of anything that I watch, you know, stretch it out. And oh, uh, You're one of them. Yeah, yeah. And when they're not making any new episodes of a show, then I can rarely stretch it out. I think uh, we, Boardwalk we, Empire finished, what, three years ago? And I've you know, been waiting about six months between episodes or something. <laughs> just
0: because you don't want to lose that, that feeling. Yeah. Like, I have a, a few... I, I, I'm more of a TV person. I think you could probably tell the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a few shows like that. Like, um, One of my favorite shows is The Wire, and mostly because David Simon's like, it's over. And I actually like that closure. Like, I want a show to have a beginning, a middle, and an end and I want it to be over. It's like when you lose someone that you know who dies. It's, you're sad because you can never talk to them again. It's like, I'm sad the wire's over, but I also know that they're never going to come back and fuck it up. Yeah, like, it mean, will if, help. if
1: you had the option to bring back your loved one, but they were a, a hateful, flesh-eating zombie, that wouldn't necessarily be an improvement. You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I think ever since, uh, ever since uh, Lost... Yes. Whenever whenever a show has announced their end date, I'm happy, because either it's mm-hmm. a terrible show and it'll be gone forever, or it's a good show and they're actually going to be able to go out on their own terms, closing, wrapping up every storyline and having a grand finale, and I enjoy that.
0: Breaking Bad. When Breaking Bad uh, said they were ending at its peak, and, and I, I remember having conversations with my friends at work and then like, no, it needs to go forever. I'm like, no. It needs to end the way they want it to end. And then, thankfully for us, we had Better Call Saul, but they were able to kind of make a promise to the audience. They're like, no dream sequence, no bullshit. Walt is dead. You don't know how, you don't know when. And um, there was something I liked knowing that I was wa- every episode of Breaking Bad I knew I as I was watching to the end of Walt's life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,. Some, I mean, they said in what the very the, the pilot that you're going to be dead from cancer in in two years, no matter what we do, and that's what actually happened in the show. So they kept their promise. I, and I've been watching Better Call
0: Saul. I really, I do, I do enjoy it greatly. I hope they don't do a thing where they're like, let's just say he wasn't dead. Like I don't know. I I would be interested to see uh, maybe an episode of Better Call Saul, like the moment after, maybe a, a, a tie it up with Jesse and Huel and. uh and saw a little bit, but uh, leave Walt dead. I don't. It's done. It's done. I. So. I, so I, so I another uh, believe it or not, I guess we call it a question. Uh, so you're um, you're writing for Cracked and uh, and not Wiki fandom stuff. Yeah. Uh, some of this is like older. You you do some it. So an article that you did called Five Classic Songs That Were Literally Creepy as Hell." Do you guys come up with the idea first, or are you just someone who's listening to like respect or something and then figure it out, or is it are you someone who just knows this kind of stuff anyway and puts it to crack, or is crack kind of sending you out there? I'm always curious about the like process of stuff.
1: Yeah, so that's that's one of those articles that are 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 pitched from from scratch. You start out with an idea, and the title, by the way. Is decided like after the article is even published, and it's sometimes changed completely at random. So, (laughs) with with that article, for instance, I'm not sure all the origins were exactly creepy, but but that's the title that we ended up with. It just began with uh, with weird weird uh, music origins, and and yeah, some of that was stuff that I knew, and then I went went searching for more that was in line. So that so that's almost
0: similar to like a journalist, right? Like if you're looking for like a newspaper, they're like. Here's a story. It wasn't that you were necessarily the guy who knew all of this weird stuff about music.
1: Uh well, that I mean, that this article, I, I think I, I did that about uh, three years ago. It was before I I really became an editor, so that was a, a totally freelance one. It was, and that's that's sometimes it is people strolling in with all kinds of knowledge of their own.
0: And uh, do you, uh, as an editor, are you like also a fact checker as well, or are you literally just more grammatical?
1: Oh no! It it's uh, uh there are separate people for for grammar and stuff. So the okay. editor process is taking a look at what people pitch and say, is this interesting or is it not interesting? And so, is it true and is it beautiful? Right? That's that's what we we have meetings every day where we pour over every single entry of every single pitch article and decide, does this interest us and is it true or not? And it's a a level of scrutiny that's. Perhaps difficult to justify, considering this many people spend this much time working on this few articles, but uh, it ends up with it ends up with stuff that at least the five people in the room say that they like
0: uh, now are you a do you telecommute for this position like is isn't cracked out in like california
1: yeah, yeah that's right. the figurative room so it it it's
0: telecommuting do, do you enjoy like telecommuting because I work from home sometimes, and um there's some future job stuff i've been looking at that might involve working from home and i i don't know if i could do it
1: <laughs> oh i like it so much i i i mean i i've tried both I, i've i tried offices didn't like them <laughs> why don't you think you'll be able to do it
0: i i lack discipline and structure uh no i'm too, too i'm very social i need to be around people but i i have found these places called co-working or places like people who don't have offices who can telecommute go and work side by side. So that's more I, – I actually have gone – I'm going to be going to one of those on Friday just to – do, they're doing like a free Friday over down in Rhode Island. So it's in Pawtucket. So I was like, oh, I like that idea because I like being around people.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I guess I like some people. I dislike most of them. So, so staying – You are a writer. I often. just assumed <laughs> – <laughs> No offense, isn't
0: that the stereotype of writers?
1: Oh yes, yes. I mean, if I if I like people, I would have got a different profession altogether. You would be you got one of them talkie jobs. Yeah, what
0: you call podcasting talkies.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, one point, I was working in an office with uh, with one other guy. Uh, it was weird because the company I was working for was actually sort of, a, for, I guess you would call it telecommuting solutions. It was a company devoted to uh, distributed teams, people working from different areas. But I still came into work, and the boss came into work, and it was just him and me in this office. And, uh, well... <laughs> that sounds <laughs> uh, awkward. That sounds, that's, that's a little awkward, yeah. So he, he just uh, walked through my office to go to the bathroom every hour or so, and we nodded at each other, <laughs>
0: I I've always I've had various positions, but at one point in my life I worked at a Starbucks. Uh, so mostly as like a side job kind of thing. But that talk about being like a job around people, like that's a job where you come home drained just because I'm like I just need to not hear noise for 30 seconds. And oh. then when I had I left that to go to like an office job. It was
1: strange. Like, whoa. Yeah, I don't think I necessarily mind working with people. I think it's just the 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 office that that you know turns my mind off
0: yeah I, I'm in a position now I'm actually kind of lucky where I, I have an office I work out of and I'm basically a laptop and a, a phone with ho- a hotspot and I travel throughout the state throughout the day so I do like maybe 30% of my time is an office and 70% of my time I'm out of a coffee shop or out in the community And which is for my personality it works well because I, I can't do a 9 to 5 office job <laughs> Ugh. It, like just the thought of like being in a building for 8 hours hurts me
1: and, though, uh, I guess I miss the feeling of leaving the office. That always felt really good. Something about yeah, transitioning can't. from those terrible fluorescent lights and then suddenly being able to breathe air. That was a, a good feeling that I haven't had for a while. So that that's the advantage of pain. It goes away after a certain time.
0: Like, today we had a snow day down where I live, and uh, it was great. But
1: if I, my brother works from home for his job... And he had to work. <laughs> so, yeah, <that'd> <laughs> well really? Well, I mean, some would say that's that's an advantage, but I, I guess you have to like your work for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, a free, uh, un, a paid day off today was uh, the dream come true. I, uh, I didn't do much of anything important; just cleaning and eye zombie watching. Well, <laughs> so, excellent. Um, yeah, man, I'm trying to think. I think uh, I think we did it. Uh, is there anything that uh, we missed upon?
1: Oh, oh, it's been, it's been like an hour now, huh? All right. Uh, well, we, we've talked about lots of random stuff, didn't hit anything in particular, but I think that feels checklist, sure.
0: Uh, yeah, good. Um, thank you so much for uh, do, not only doing this once, but twice, and knocking it out of the park both times, and staying irreverent, off-topic, like, uh, as much as I do. <laughs> Thanks it, it
1: was fun. Thank you for listening to the Corten Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Corten Arts shows, visit cortenarts.com.